Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the WTF Advice Show. This is for auditors only. We haven't done one of these yet this year. Do you guys realize the last one we did was December? Really? Wow. Yes. It's July. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> so we have host Helena here, of course, host of Stolen Stable, uh, award-nominated Stolen Stable woo, woo. for the AHC Awards. Yes. So c- congratulations, Helena. Thank Hi, you. Hi, Buck. Where's your sound effects, Glenn? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can do sound effects. Here you go. Award nominated. Yay. Yay. And, and should be. And very well should be. So congratulations, <laughs> Selena. Thank you. And then we have Nikki here. As far as I know, she hasn't won anything, but she's here. No. <laughs> Nikki wins the world. Yeah. That's what she wins right. the world. All the things. I have bragging rights that I won the uh, Flex and Fork, the uh, automatic one years ago. And let me tell you, it's my it's my trophy. It's my prize. I'm like the one from like um, Christmas Story where he's like, it's my award. <laughs> Carried around everywhere. It's in you my, know, in the mine's farm. eight years old and still going. I I've still charged plug it, it in once, and I've had it that many years. <laughs> I know. So he asked me, because I'm he's a sponsor of the Roadshow, and he said, mm-hmm. do you want new ones to take along? I said, it'd be better if I took the 10-year-old ones and showed them how it works, right? To yeah, show it off. I won mine, I say, about almost eight years ago, too. And I literally, I think, charged it the one time, and I've used it like a bunch of times. I'm like, this has to be like, like it has to be sorcery in there. There has to be some kind of witchcraft, or this can't be legal. Well, I wish they'd put like, that <laughs> witchcraft in my phone so it would last I know. longer. Where's your witchcraft music, Glenn? Where's your witchcraft oh, music? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's do this show. Uh, Helena has to read our disclaimer. Yes, I do. I have five tabs open. Here we go. Okay. This is an adult show. It's not safe for small ears or for work. After all, it's called the What the Fuck Advice Show. Everything we say on this show is for entertainment only. So please don't think we're giving actual advice to anyone about anything. For that, you need to seek someone who's more professional than us. And that won't be difficult. Finally, send your complaints to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. But don't tell her I told you so. <laughs> and Nikki, of course, is a trained therapist. We should mention that. What kind of therapist are you again? I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a licensed uh, clinical drug and alcohol counselor, um, plus a certified clinical uh, supervisor. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm certified wine and that's exactly why she's on this show. <laughs> I'm certifying a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, speaking of which, keep your drinks up. And everybody at home, take your drinks up, too, because we have to give a toast to uh, somebody we lost here in the last week. And we were just talking about it before we started. Helene and I think that Uncle Jimmy from Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls and Uncle Jimmy's Licky Things and all Uncle Jimmy's stuff um, was our second sponsor ever 12 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, so, and he passed away a week ago, hit me pretty hard, um, and it was a simple surgery. He went septic after and then died a week later. Um, so it was a crazy thing. I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. We were going to stay at his house for three nights on the trip. Um, so it was rather unexpected, but they're going to keep things rolling. They're still sponsoring the road show, and he's sending all kinds of... They're going to send out all kinds of handouts for the for the meetups and stuff. So let's give cheers. Uncle Jimmy would want us to drink around him. So cheers, <laughs> so Uncle cheers, Jimmy. Uncle Jimmy, rest in peace, my friend. Thanks, Uncle Jimmy, for getting us going. And he, we have a funny story to tell about Uncle Jimmy. We used to see him at Ada at the trade show. 
And we used to go out to dinner with him because he was the funniest guy to go out to dinner with. He, and he stood, what, he was at least three or four inches taller than me. He was a big presence in, in spirit and in physicality. Yeah, yeah you knew he was guy. in the room when Uncle Jimmy came in the room. Yeah. And he would take us out to dinner, but he would take the longest fucking routes to get there he we would be it would be jennifer and helena and i in the car behind trying to find this damn restaurant he had like, no it's right idea up the road I, uh, it was literally road? five minutes away road? and he would take us around and around and around. we'd get there an hour later it would be packed we'd finally eat about 10 o'clock at night and this happened every year and every year we followed him around <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> he was fun though, and funny. Yes, he was a really good guy. Like, really yes, he was, yeah, he had a big heart. He was an airline pilot uh, till he retired and started Uncle Jimmy's Hanging Balls. That yeah. you know, he, he was an airline pilot, uh, and he would have been a funny captain. He would have been one of those coming over and making jokes and <laughs> planes going down. Oh, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So what we do in this show is we take questions from auditors. Uh, this is non-horse training questions. This is about life questions. And uh, we, we try and do the best we can. Well, Helene and I kind of, <laughs> and then Nikki comes in and actually does something. Uh, <laughs> Nikki's a real professional. Yeah. <laughs> We're just here. Again, which is funny because even the other day I'm at the farm and not many people know what I do like that. Some of the borders and uh, my trainer goes, you know what she does for a living? And she's like, she's a therapist. And the lady just busts out laughing. I'm like, see, I get it. Like, you know, and then again, and then she's like, it gets better. She's a director at a substance abuse place. And the girl goes, are you fucking with me? I was like, no, 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 no. This is legit. Usually I tell people I'm a rodeo clown. Cause at this point it's like, <laughs> they're going to be like, you people pay you. <laughs> Well, so so that's why she. I got so what, we're going to rotate questions here. I picked these out of uh, that were out of the auditor room, and we're going to start with a couple easy ones. I thought, and then we'll get into the tough ones. It goes kind of warm us up. Uh, so Chelsea asked this: How do I tell a new roommate that his dog is a shithead and needs training? And I I asked her: it Was the new roommate is a male apparently? But I asked: Is the new roommate uh, plutonic? And he, she said a thousand percent plutonic. So, <laughs> Isn't that an important question to know, though? Platonic, not plutonic. Pluton oh, platonic. Yeah, sorry. Did I say plutonic? I had it actually typed out plutonic. I know. <laughs> That's funny. I had it right the second time and wrong the first time. I know. So, um, so anyway, we're not sleeping with the dude, uh, which is important to know, I think, with this question, right? Because that's going to take it how far you're going to take it. I say, in that case, tell him his fucking dog is a shithead. That's what that's what. That's what because dog's not a shithead, though. He's the shithead. He's a shithead. So tell him he's a shithead and his dog needs training. That's my They're idea. perfect. Talita solved it. We don't even need a therapist yeah. for that. Yeah. No. <laughs> Which music? No. Which music? Okay. <laughs> All right, that one. I'll well done. Well done, yes. Or right. you wanted this one. Yeah. I need a wand. I need a wand. <laughs> I need a wand. Where's my dressage whip? I need a wand. Nikki, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, I know she's right. I mean, because your dog's a shithead. Obviously, you're the shithead. So, no. I mean, it's it's hard, too, because, you know, it's a dog. And you're like, yeah, but it's hard to tell somebody your dog needs training. But it sounds like she needs to tell him. I saw the biggest damn dog. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm trying to make a wand. <laughs> I saw the biggest damn dog. We went down to visit Jumping Emily. You did the jumping episode for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's been real sick for a couple of years. She has a mastiff, and it's a puppy. Ooh. 
and it weight must weigh two hundred pounds, and it's enormous. It is an enormous dog. All right, well, that's all we got for you, Chelsea. Tell him he's a shithead and get yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> so, train. Oh, you do have a wand. Are right, you ready? It's tape measure. <laughs> <laughs> Just like bewitched, Helena. You have the next question. Oh, okay. Hey, I'm gonna pull my. Okay. Here we Glad go. we could help, Chelsea. All right. <laughs> this is from Anna. How do I convince my little princess cat that the very expensive food I just bought her is actually edible? <laughs> of course, I bought two bags of it, and she thinks I'm trying to poison her. Okay. I have had asshole cats for as long as I can remember. And here's what they do. They get up on my chest in the morning, and they sit there compressing my chest so that I cannot breathe. And then I will get up, and I will feed them whatever food they like the best. <laughs> I finally decided that um, I was not going to feed them at all. I was going to put food down and they would eat that. And that's all that they would eat. And they would never come and wake me up again. So you gave them like free feeding all the food they want? Well, they, they have regular food and then they have gooby juice. Oh. (laughs) Gooby juice. If you don't know the gooby story, I'm not going to tell it now, but we call it gooby juice. And they sit on my chest when they want the gooby juice. Does it have alcohol in it or something good? No, it has like like something that looks like snot over <laughs> tuna and beef or something. I don't know. It's gooby. Like it's goobers and it's wet cat food. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's expensive. Okay. So I don't know what I'm saying. Here's what you, here's my advice. Honestly, leave the food out. Let the cat get hungry. The cat will eat it. That's it. They will eat when they're hungry. Or they will come and sit on your chest <laughs> and compress it until you can't breathe. But in all honesty, if you if you believe that the food is healthy, it's fine for them, it's good for them, leave it out, they will eat it. So it starve them until they eat it, basically. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> when they're done with that, maybe get them something they like. Stephanie just jumped in and said, what did I just walk in on? <laughs> I, can't, I, I really shouldn't even be on the show. I should have taken so, a hard pass on this. It's funny you said that. I had Once upon a time, I had two greyhounds, and one had um, kidney disease. So I just buy like, the most expensive food on the planet for the dog. Um, and now the dog didn't really want to eat it, but I did the same thing. Leave it out, he'll eat it, right? So I go, they, my mom, my Italian mother, babysits them, and she makes – Handmade dog food. Like she makes it in the Instant Pot. She makes it for them, for her dogs, right? So she made it for my dogs. So my dogs come back and they're like, You're fucking kidding me. Now you're, you send us here and now this is what you give us. Are you kidding me? So there was like a stalemate. Like they weren't eating. I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to starve. Oh my God. So then I had to start making my food in the Instant Pot like she did because she's oh. like, How dare you starve the dogs? I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> they're having $80 bags of food. I was like, I don't even have an $80 dinner. I was like, are you kidding me? So, yeah, so the day that Thomas died, he got um, a, like, like a stew. In fact, my husband would be like, is this for us? I was like, no, no, no. That's for Thomas and Tori. That's for the Greyhounds. <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> <laughs> greyhounds can be such divas, too. They really can. Total divas. I, we finally got real dogs. I mean, because I love the Greyhounds, but they were totally like having large cats. definitely they are kind of like that way yeah Yeah. you're right you're right yeah so there you go starve them until they eat that's (laughs) Selena's advice and then get something different yeah (laughs) 
Helena's, you're on a roll tonight with your short, sweet answers. <laughs> Tell him he's a shithead. Kick him out. <laughs> starve him until they die. Yeah, starve him. <laughs> Just kill him. I'm in the mood. I'm in the mood. <laughs> All right. Helena's Nikki. like, I choose violence. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right now. Bam. It's either my wand or my fist. You know what? I knew you were in a mood as soon as you sat down tonight, but I also didn't kick you out because you're so funny when you're in a mood. I am funny. And wine. Add wine, and I'm hysterical. <laughs> yeah, and a right. wand. I'll and we all laugh what. at her when she's in a mood, and she hates that, too. So, well, 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 the only reason I'm here is because the only one who can get me out of the mood is Glenn, and now Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> my wand. You know why this tape measure is my wand? Why? Because I'm measuring the outdoor arena I can't afford to build. <laughs> this fucking thing. Nikki, you get the next one. And you notice oh, I gave you this one intentionally. Thanks, Glenn. Yeah. We're so not going to say the name. <laughs> definitely not safe for work. But advice for spicing up the <clears throat> home life. Parentheses. Um, so I'm guessing the nice sex life that, you know, sometimes gets a little stagnant uh, as you get married. Uh, one of the biggest advice I say, start from square one, right? When you used to date, like go on fun dates, like go and surprise each other and make it exciting. Like get dressed up, like get sexy. Cause sometimes I think we forget to get sexy when we're married because sometimes we have, you know, I mean, he's in the bedroom, so I guess I'm sure you can hear me, you know, coming out here in his like t-shirt and shorts. And you're like, mm, remember the time you actually gave a shit? Like, <laughs> you got dressed up and cared. So like, start caring, like, and start like doing stuff that you may have done when you're dating. Also, I can't stress enough sex toys. I mean, sometimes it's outside the box. Sometimes it's not comfortable, but do a little shopping, have a little fun. They're not that expensive. You can get them on Amazon.com. Um, some other places will sell them a little more discreetly. But it's, you know, kind of try some things new. And if not, um, sometimes role-playing. But sometimes role-playing gets a little too, just too much over the edge. Sometimes just spice them a little bit, saying, hey, I'm going to throw a new toy at you. I'm going to throw a new um, – there's sometimes, like, lotions and stuff, like a massage, or just doing surprise trips. I say, let's go take a couple's massage. Let's go and do a road trip. Let's <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> Let's throw that out there, you know. Let's do. <laughs> I was going to let you go as long as you were going to go there. Yeah, uh, I have a funny story about the sex toys. So when we lived oh in Lexington, <laughs> when we lived, <laughs> when we lived in Lexington, there was a girl who lived with us. As a matter of fact, everybody knows her. Chrissy Joy lived with us for a while, and she's the dog trainer that uh, we we have on the show a lot. And uh, she worked at Amazon in the night shift in the returns department. And her oh. department happened to get all the returns of sex toys and things. And she would come home with these horrible stories about how they would come in completely out of the box, the batteries hanging out of them, obviously been used till they broke. Oh, no, no. Just burn them at that point. Like, just yeah, throw an incinerator. Yeah, that's what they did. Dumpster, dumpster, dumpster. <laughs> so I have a funny sex toy uh, story where I had my friends had got me a joke sex toy when I was a teenager. And the thing was, like, huge. And it looked like a, like a wand. It looked like a huge um, nightstick. Like, yeah, what are they called? <laughs> and uh, it glue in the dark so me and my mom were uh had a thunderstorm yeah like that it was huge and it vibrated but it was like this big like what do you call it lightsaber that's what it looked like so my mom's like uh the power went out she's she's looking for a flashlight i'm like i got something that will work so i took this thing out and she's like i don't want to know as long as we can see where we're going i was like i swear i didn't use it i just it was a prank but it worked it worked as a great flashlight so that's my first sex story. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, wait, wait a minute. I have a question about this. Like, 
Why would why would you want a light up sex toy? Well, I guess yeah, it, why would I don't know. Like maybe they. I guess they. Want, I guess whoever invented it wanted to. I guess have the show. I don't. know. Maybe it was a lightsaber toy. It was like a lightsaber toy, but it was a it was a sex toy from Spencer's, and my my friends thought it was absolutely hilarious. Give to me for like my 18th birthday party. You so, remember uh, when Spencer's was the rudest place you could go? Yes. I mean, look at the internet now, but Spencer's when we were growing up, if you got into Spencer's to look at it yourself when Ooh. you were a teenager, you thought you were just getting away with stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I yeah. have ton yeah, the sex toy, but again, try try what makes you comfortable. But if you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to just stretch the limit, you never know. Well there you go. <laughs> Do you have anything to add to that, Helena? Helena. Um I mean, you have the tape measure, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wand. It, it works for me. You know, um <laughs> step outside your comfort zone. I would say step outside your comfort zone and, and get, uh, I think, yeah, get, get yourself, get dressed up, get made up, get whatever that looks like for you. Like it could be a tuxedo, it could be clean clothes, but get, get dressed up, make yourself feel like you're out there trying to attract interest. And it just so happens that the interest would be from your spouse, your partner. But yeah, go outside your comfort zone. Like for me, I will try to put on red lipstick. <laughs> I'm like, look at me. I'm all sexy. <laughs> and then I look in the mirror and I'm like. She lets her hair lady? down. I'm like, who's that lady? <laughs> she looks like, oh, I'm not her. But seriously, try to just like go outside your comfort zone. Maybe like me, I put on high heels and red lipstick and. I try to walk and then, you know, shake my booty, shake my booty, shake my booty. Buck likes it when I dance because I'm a pretty good dancer. I'm a horrible horseback rider, but I'm a really good dancer. So sometimes I'll have a little wine, a little tequila, and I'll dance for him. And he's like, what? <laughs> what sorcery is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Elizabeth says, yeah. I try to walk. <laughs> I say just don't smell like barn for occasion for once or twice a year. Maybe that'd help. Just saying. You know, All right. just saying. All right. So the next one is about is a bridezilla. And this one was posted today. I forget who posted it. Courtney posted it, I think. She says not the horse. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It was long, but basically, her she's in the wedding. She's in the wedding party. Friends get married on September 11th, and they're doing the rehearsal dinner at four o'clock the day before. Who the hell eats dinner at four o'clock? So um, she's not off work till five. The venue is ten minutes from work. She's already taken a bunch of time off to go on her own honeymoon in November. So she doesn't want to risk taking any more time off. Plus, she doesn't want to get paid. So she said, I'll come over after. It's the rehearsal dinner. And I think she's just in the wedding party. I don't think she's like the bridesmaid. I think she, or I don't think she's like the maid of honor. I think she's just a bridesmaid. So this girl's getting all pissy. And apparently the girl wants her there for everything. She has to be there for everything whenever she's needed. What is it with women who turn into bridezillas? I don't get it. Maybe because I married one that's exact opposite of that and didn't give a shit about anything. Um, I don't know. 
I guess I know from being a bride, there was like two moments where I knew like my head just snapped. Like it was just this, like where like the, I, I wasn't the person I knew. I was like, this is, I just lost my shit. But like, I think, you know, with this, this is, you know, she's not in the bridal party. I get somebody's. Um, she is in the bridal party, but not I mean, the. Not, not the, the maid of honor, honor. Yeah. but I think people take it to the extreme. Like you need to wait on me, like on my day. You need to be there on my day. They forget that hey, you're having it on a Friday, so it's hard to you know adjust when it's a work week. And I think it's really unfair to say like for a rehearsal dinner, you must be there at four o'clock. Also, four o'clock is like an inconvenient time for a lot of people. Yeah, you know, well, especially they're traveling. I don't get the four o'clock thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you have a party to go to after? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's fair to her to say you know, hey, listen, I. I really can't, I made other commitments for my own wedding. I really can't take off the time. I will be there as soon as possible, which may mean that 4.30. It might not be a big deal. And, uh, you know, other people, I'm sure, will be running late as not many people can take off, especially even with, you know, COVID and trying to get back to work. And things are just not, you know, as easy as they used to be. And and, you know. and besides, what do you have to learn at the rehearsal dinner? You walk, the bridesmaid does one thing. They walk up, they stand there. They look pretty, and they walk back out. <laughs> That's pretty much it, right? <laughs> I mean, the job is you you make sure the bride doesn't look like an asshole. That was my thing. Like You just make sure that I look good <laughs> on that day. You make sure that everybody shows up that day. I don't care if, if the bride – I mean, the groom shows up at that day. I just Somebody has to show up when I get to that aisle. I don't care who it is <laughs> and make sure I look <laughs> – Excellent on these pictures. That's all I ask. No, no toilet paper hanging off anywhere. Is my makeup test be you know great? Whatever you know, perfect. That's all I ask for that one moment <laughs> on the day of, on the day, not the day of before. Yeah. Anything to add there, Helena? Oh, you're on mute. I think. I think you muted yourself. I was eating my pop tart. I didn't want to be touching people's <laughs> ears. Um. Uh, you know, if she was that good of a friend, you'd be like, yeah, I don't need any money. I don't need a paycheck. Who cares about my job? I'll take 10 weeks off. I'll do anything to be at your wedding. You know, reading your letter, it's like, you know, I don't want to take extra time off. I don't want to lose any pay for my paycheck. Like, it's just not that important to you. And that's okay. So let her be pissed. It's one day. And if she's if she's going to be pissed because... You, you can't be there for every single thing she needs you for. Then five years from now, six years from now, when you don't hear from her again, you're going to be like, oh, no, she'll cool. be divorced in two. So yeah, don't, yeah. just do, you do what's important for you and say no when you need to say no. And if she's going to get pissed at you, it'll either be temporary or it'll be a good thing for you. We did about 10 weddings when I owned a acting company. They would ask us to do the weddings, and I, as the king, would officiate, and then somebody that actually could legally it would jump in the middle to do the I do parts. So it was kind of medieval weddings, and we would have to do the prep with them, and then, you know, we would actually be there for the rehearsal because um, we were involved in the whole wedding. And uh, we, we knew by the time that bride walked down the aisle how many years they were going to be married. What and we the, got it. What were some of the indicators? Uh, well, um, just you just knew. Like the one bride was absolutely out of this world, a crazy nut, just a nut. He got so drunk before he came down the aisle. Apparently, he drank almost a whole fifth. When I was going, well, he already knows that he's making a mistake. And it's just, it was, you just knew. And we got it right almost all, every time. And the one we actually thought would make it, I think, made it. But the rest of them didn't. 
Mm-hmm. Didn't make it. The, that one, that the wacko woman, she was a year. Mm. She was actually one year, and that was it. Yeah. So, yeah, you know. I mean, you just know. You, you can see know. it. And the friends know, too, right? You, As a friend, you know. We have uh, a, a comment. Yeah. Someone said, I went to a friend's wedding who wouldn't allow me a plus one because I'm single, and I had to travel to Boston and get a hotel alone. The reception was horrible. It was set up like a club, so no tables and chairs. <laughs> like some sofas, maybe some sofas for old people. Everybody was just standing around. Are they doing lap dances? <laughs> I didn't give her a gift. <laughs> <laughs> like it's, we, you know, I'm, I spent a lot of time in Newport and Newport's like wedding central. And every time Buck and I would go out to dinner, we would at some point or other be seated next to the bridal party for like, um, not the bridal party, the bachelorette party. Nice. And I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah, right? It's like, oh my God. Somebody wants to marry her and then have her friends along for the day? Why? You never crash one? They're the best. Crashing bachelorette parties. Probably. I can see you doing that, Nikki. I can totally. I'm like, hey, I'll buy you a drink. I want to go with where you're going. How do you handle like the screechy voice, though? Like the, oh my God. How do you handle that? I think the strippers and the alcohol helps. So, I mean. <laughs> okay. I got, I'm coming down to your house for the next crashing bachelorette party. Well, and me and my friends talked about allow somebody that. to bring a plus one if they're single? Yeah. What the hell? <laughs> oh, and there was enough food. I think everybody needs to elope. <laughs> All right. I, mean, so I only I think... got married because I wanted a big white dress. Actually, that's not true. But no, I did. I liked my, I think I liked my dress more than my first husband. <laughs> Actually, I know I liked my dress more than my first husband. Yeah, I think so too. We knew your first husband. <laughs> that dress was awesome. Him, not so much. <laughs> All right. Um, where are we at now? Uh, Helena, you're up next. Oh, 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 right. Okay. All right. Anything about working with co-workers, anything about working with coworkers and a manager daily? I've been working in the horse world for over 15 years. Where you figure out, hold on, I got to scroll. Where you figure out what has to get done and you do it without someone micromanaging you. Uh, I now work with about 10 other people for nine hours a day. And I'm definitely the low man on the totem pole. I hate feeling like I'm just a warm body taking up space. And I want to be able to find and put value myself at work. Also, I'm extremely klutzy and have horrible anxiety and depression which didn't matter so much when I worked by myself around horses. Not much of an audience there when I tripped or walked into everything, and I could just put my head down and blast through work or sneak in extra horse hugs and bareback rides. Oh, I feel ya. But now there are so many doors. There's always someone around and the public, and then being on the clock instead of being on my time makes it harder to take a break for you know your, your mental health during the day and anxiety attacks. That That's is why my Helene story. and I work for ourselves. <laughs> that is my story. It's really, really hard to fit. Um, I, you know, I had anxiety. I didn't have depression, but I had the anxiety. Of course, I discovered that it was attention deficit. But so I'm that, that makes me very klutzy. And yes, when you're in an office environment, everything that you do is on display. You're under a microscope. However, I do think that there is opportunity to find, to be valued. So 
the infrastructure of a work environment is great because you don't have the responsibility. You, you only, you have a very focused responsibility. So if you can find some joy or inspiration in the tasks that you have in your job, then really focus on that and try to let everything else go blurry outside of that. Whether it's a project, you know, I don't know what your, your job entails, but if it's project-based or tasks, um, get creative, let your imagination, let yourself dive into the actual tasks of your job and doing a good job. And you're going to get really nice feedback from your bosses. And that's going to make you feel good. Um, you know, in, in terms of klutziness and stuff, own it. Mm-hmm. If you bump into something, be like, yep, that's me. I'm a klutz. Um, sometimes, like, we can say nothing and just be like, oh, my God, I just banged into something. Or I just tripped again. Or in my case, I used to fall off of my dance goes and <laughs> twist my ankle. You know, I thought I was so cool. Um I think popping that bubble of tension and just making a little joke about it, owning it, this is who I am. And then eventually the people that you work with will just fall in love with you. But they're not going to fall in love with you if you're trying to be something that's not authentic. Just be yourself. I know that's kind of trite. But I'm giving you permission to just be yourself. If, however, the work environment becomes so abrasive that you can never find a place to relax in yourself, then, then you need to reconsider whether or not this kind of environment is good for you. And then go back to the horse world. I'll go back to something that gives you more freedom. Uh, there's no paycheck that can buy you the type of relaxation and peace that the right job or the right work environment. You know, you can make 50, 60, $100,000 a year working for somebody else and be stressed all the time. Or you can make $30,000, a year doing what you really love and be happy. Or like in Helene and I, you can make nothing and be happy. Uh. <laughs> I make the poverty level. I make the U.S. 2021 poverty level. There you go. I need to get to that point sometime. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have anything to add. I failed miserably as an employee. So what about you, Nikki? <laughs> like, well, I think there's a couple things. One is, you know, Anxiety and depression are real, and I think a lot of it, too, is, um, sorry, is the anxiety, social anxiety, right? So, social anxiety is real. So, when we actually have, you know, in a space again, especially with COVID, you know, really getting to reacclimate ourselves to being around people. Also, like Helena said, is giving yourself permission to be you. And sometimes we think that other people are thinking about us and criticizing us, and really they're not. They really don't care. They're doing their own thing and their own focus. So not worrying too much about what other people think because half the time we're not even in their thoughts. Um, you know, talking about work, and, and I worked for a big company prior to the company I'm at now, and I had to come to the conclusion that if I die today, they're going to replace me. There's not going to be like, they're not going to wait for my, even my body to be cold. They'll probably just roll me out and they'll replace me within the day. And, you know, that's, you got to remember what's going to make you happy. Is this job really making you happy, fulfilled? Is this something that you want to be there for long term? Or, you know, is this something that you're just like, I have to do it to have because I feel like I need to do it? Just remember that we are all replaceable. So do something you really love to do and feel that you're really loved at your job too. Um, but yeah, like, try, try being yourself. A lot of times it's just really, it's all in our heads. It's all like, oh, they think we're classy or they think we're not good at our job. We're really good at our jobs. 
We just think that we like to put the negative out instead of the positive. I think that's a good point that people, we, we often think that people are constantly thinking about us or judging us when really they don't even at all. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. We're thinking everybody's thinking about us when they're just doing their own thing. And, you know, they're not thinking about us. They don't care. Uh, you know, and I think that's, that's, that was a good point that you made. We, we overthink that one as humans. Yeah. And then, and then I don't know if this is the same person who wrote in the note, but in the comments, someone wrote that um, it's the issues of picking up their slack or focusing on only your stuff or feeling like you're never done at the end of the day. Those are, you know, picking up someone else's slack and focusing only on your own stuff. I, I might, I'm going to sound like a Debbie Downer, but it's every man for himself or every woman mm-hmm. or every person for themselves, for themselves in the corporate world. And you want to be a team player, right? We, we definitely want to contribute to the team's efforts. But at some point, you're going to feel like you're starting to be taken advantage of. If that happens, that's when you have to focus on just your stuff, right? And when someone says, hey, hey, auditor, what happened over here? You can say, it feels a little creepy, but you got to say, I did my part. Unfortunately, my teammate over here didn't. Or I did my part. I'm not sure what everyone else is doing. And if it is not your responsibility, if it's not part of your job description to be responsible for what everyone else is doing, then you need to feel comfortable in saying, I did my part. And in fact, I did it very well. Um, And feeling like you're never done at the end of the day, again, this goes, I'm giving you permission to clock out. You do not need to, there is nowhere that you need to be that six, seven, eight o'clock, uh, work days, you know, end of work day needs to be in your life. No, whatever time you're supposed to be done is the time that you're done. And that is so true for self-employed people. Do you ever feel like you're done at the end of the day, Helena? I have never had a day where I feel like I'm done. <laughs> I think that's worse when you're self-employed, actually. Yeah, way worse. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, I have to say that to myself sometimes. You know what, Helena? It's five o'clock. Go eat dinner. No, mm-hmm. you don't need to check your email at seven. Jennifer's famous saying is, we'll still be there tomorrow. Yeah. Mm. Still yeah. going to be there tomorrow. And guess what? All the stuff is still going to be there the next day. And if there's so. so much work that's being put on your plate that you can't complete, like you can't reach a milestone by end of business on a given day, then that's too much work. Well, and, and everybody's being dumped on now. I must have heard that. I was down visiting Jemmy over the weekend. And we were talking to some people and everybody's in the situation where they're empl- they've lost coworkers and not been replaced and everybody's getting more work dumped on them. It's just the mm-hmm. way it is right now in mm-hmm. every business. Yeah. But you know, that's it, fine. We know that the, the, <clears throat> the context of the work environment right now is challenging. So yeah, you want to pitch in, you want to help out, be part of the team. But when you, you know, a lot of places you give them an inch and they take a foot. So when you feel like you're being taken <laughs> advantage of over and above what you're offering, you know, in this strange economic landscape, that's when you can you can set firm boundaries. The next one, um, Nikki, I'm going to take the next one. You can do okay. the last one. It's how the heck do I fight my imposter syndrome as a 28-year-old? First of all, you're 28 years old. Uh, (laughs) About to start a new job in the fourth different industry since graduating college. Well, Helene and I would like to address that one. (laughs) Talk about imposter syndrome. I think I'm in my, what, 15th 
reincarnation at the age of uh, 50. I think I started Horse Radio Network when I was almost 50, and that was probably my 15th reincarnation. So I don't know that that, I don't, and I don't view that as a negative. Now, do we feel like we were imposters when we started doing podcasting? Yeah. Do I still feel a little bit like an imposter? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You know, I kind of feel that way all the time. This is something that's discussed in podcasting all the time. Matter of fact, we had this conversation when Horse Radio Network was started, Helene and I. Yeah. I said, how can I, as a horse husband who really doesn't know anything about training horses, start a horse radio network? How can I do a show? And Helena said, you just be a horse husband. That's what mm-hmm. you be, and you don't be anything else. You just be what you are. Uh, that was your advice to me. We had this discussion. I said, I basically said, I'm an imposter. I can't do this, you know, and eventually become, you know, the, the leader of the number one network. But I've always just been who I am. And, you know, that's not an imposter, right? That's what makes it not an imposter. Yeah. It's nobody does you better than you. I, mm-hmm. I give this advice to my clients all the time. What's your competitive advantage? You are. Because there's no one that can do you better than you. So if you're doing something that everyone else is doing, like podcasting, well, you're doing Glenn's version of podcasting or Helena's version of podcasting, and no one can beat you at that game. Um, but imposter syndrome, it is, it's a real problem. And I don't think that it's innate. I think that it is purely from societal pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do. I don't think that, you know, when we're 10, 11, 12 years old, I don't think that we have an innate question about who we are and what we're worth. But then once we start to come out into the world, the comparisons begin and the judgment begins and imposter syndrome is born. What do we do with that? What I do is I just observe it. I observe when it comes up in me and you know what? I don't know. I haven't figured it out. I still suffer from it. So I have no advice. It's a struggle in, in my field too, because it was psychotherapists and, you know, it, the imposter syndrome, like, why are people paying to come see me? What What do I know? Right. There's times where I'm like, you know, what am I going to say? Am I even worthy? And like you said, you know, it's kind of what we put on ourselves. So when we were kids, we had this confidence and this bravado of being like, we got this. And then we kind of get t- torn down by like society and by you know, our own thoughts in our own head. And biggest thing is what you said is being authentic, like being just you. Um, if you don't know something, say it, just say, listen, I, I really don't know what I'm doing or I don't know how to tackle this. And that's okay. Cause that's being you, right? Cause sometimes that comes to with being the imposter syndrome is we think we have to know everything. We think we have to have all the answers and be like, we're the experts. Well, we are the experts, but all, even experts need to learn and we need to kind of be okay with saying, I need help in some areas, but I'm good in what I do. You wouldn't have gotten this job if you weren't good. You wouldn't have gotten to where you are without not being good at knowing your shit. So own it. And we need to stop kind of putting our own barriers up in our own heads with the negative self-talk of like, we're imposters. We're not imposters. We're learning. It's all a learning process. She had another part of this. The second part was in the fourth different industry since graduating college. So I could tell, you know, more than Mm -hmm. imposter syndrome, that's bugging her, right? Because, you know, she's in the fourth different industry. But everything that I did in the past 
led me to where I am today. So all the different jobs that Helene and I have had a bunch of different jobs, but all the different jobs and all the different things we've done, and it's so funny because, Helena, we've had so many of these discussions over the years, um, have led to where we are today and have given us the skills and the abilities to do what we're doing now. So I looked at all of those things that I did in the past were stepping stones, right? They were stepping stones to where we ended up. And you may be on your 10th different industry after you're graduating college till you find the one that all those little pieces have led to. But Without all those little pieces, you're not going to be the best that you can be. You're not going to be the the non-imposter in that 10th position that then you're going to be really good at. But so these are all just stepping stones. They're all just, they're, they're where you have to go to get where you're ultimately going. And to know what you, when I left UMass, so I went to UMass Amherst. I was recruited to play women's lacrosse there. I had a very good, strong lacrosse career for the three years that I was there. Um, And then I got injured and I couldn't survive as a regular student. I, I sucked. I failed out. So when I had a conversation with the Dean, my exit interview with the Dean, I was like, I don't know what to do without a lacrosse stick in my hand. And he said, well, go and work at as many different jobs as you can do as many different things, have as many different experiences. If you work someplace, go work at Dunkin' Donuts. If you're there for three months, fine, quit. If you're there for two weeks, fine. Do this, do that, but work as in, in as many different places as possible so that at the very least, you will know what you do not want. Mm-hmm. But, and he seemed pretty confident about this, through the process, you will discover what really lights your fire. I love him. <laughs> he he was a brilliant guy. He was a brilliant guy. And so I couldn't play lacrosse anymore, at least not I wasn't going to the World Cup <laughs> championships, but um and then I got on a horse. All but I think that's that comes to a lot of us, you know, at 18, we're told, decide what you want to do for the rest of your life, right? Pick that box. Pick that box you want to fit in. And really, it's not about, at what, 18 plus to even 27 plus. You don't know what you sometimes want to do or want to be. And, you know, I love that he told you to go out there and, and kind of discover what you like and what you don't like. Because, you know, we have to. We have to we have to learn through discovery and not just being like, oh, okay, well, let's hope that this fits. Let's hope that being a pro lacrosse player pans out or let's hope that being a doctor pans out or whatever it is that we think that we want to be at 18 years old, which half the time I didn't know what I wanted to wear each day. Um, but, you know, when we're in college, they're like, here, pick your life career and this is going to be you. And it's it's unreasonable. You know, I think it's we we are so privileged now to have the when my in my dad's day that was different. You took a yeah. job and you stayed with it yeah. for 35, 40 years and you got your retirement and that was you there that's the way it was. And you know, he hated it for 40 years, but he stuck with it for 40 years. Yeah. And you know, he hated what he did, but that was the way it was. And I think it's so cool now that we have the opportunity to not have to hate it for 40 years. We have the opportunity to go try something else much easier than we've ever had in the past. Don't do you agree with that? Yes, 100%. Yeah. And I think the I think COVID, the pandemic, has given a lot of people um, the opportunity to reevaluate what's important to them. And I mean, part of the reason there's an employment shortage is because people just aren't going back to the jobs that they had previously because they are like, you know what? I'm happier. I might have less money right now, but I'm happier 
not clocking in every day, not going to that crappy job that I thought was awesome because it paid $80,000 a year. And they're reevaluating. It doesn't mean they're going to stay unemployed forever, but I think, yeah, I think that that's one of those things that's going to be, um, it's going to have lasting change on the way we work, on the jobs that we have. I don't think we're going to have time to get to the last one, but I think it also, we're talking so much about jobs tonight, and we've had this discussion a hundred times, too, Uh mutually. Um, You can be working for the best company in the world that you would probably be your ultimate job if it wasn't for your direct boss, who's an asshole. Mm -hmm. You know, and the company's great, and every other department is great, but when you're working for the asshole, it's going to suck for you. And there's just, and you know, you could probably have a future in that company if you could get switched to a different department, but if you can't, it's time to look for a new company because that your direct boss is, is definitely who it's what makes or breaks your day every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I once worked for, um, this podcast network. It was about horses. <laughs> the guy was an ass. <laughs> and my boss was such a dick. <laughs> he was. He's still a dick. What an asshole he is. I don't I wouldn't even work for him. <laughs> hey, Nikki, is your boss good? you you have a good boss? So I am the boss. Um, oh, there you go. So by making so are you a, a good point, boss? I think I'm a really good boss. Sometimes I'm almost, um, sometimes I'm too lenient. I'm like, take care of you. Because I came from a, prior to this, I came from a very corporate kind of place. So now I'm not so corporate, it's very mom and pop. So I do very much like, you know, you're sick, take your time off. If you need like a day to take a half day, like take your self-care. And everybody's kind of so like, are you sure? Like, I'm like, yes, because you know what? I want you guys to be healthy. We're dealing with people, we're dealing with substance abuse and it's draining and it drains a light of a lot of people. And I want my employees to be happy. I want, I, you know, we're not making millions of dollars. Like the, like you said, the job will get done. The notes will get done tomorrow. I, I care about if you're not feeling well, I care about if your mental health health if you just want to go home and see your dog and you know something like make sure of course not taking advantage of it because i've had some employees also take advantage and i have to half halt them back but uh for the most part they appreciate they appreciate that then they work harder for me they work harder for their patients they work harder you know and they're happy with life i don't want unhappy employees i was an unhappy employee i mean i worked 24 7 at one point and i'm like i was making x amount and i was making great money but really when the when I, if i did the mathematics i was making very little for what I was work, putting work in. And like I said, I, I it was like, I, I put my resignation in. They're like, see ya. You know, it didn't matter to them. But here it matters. It matters, you know, if I'm there, if I if I call out, I know my employee, I can trust my employees to take care of what's going on because, you know, we work as a team. And so I think it's so important, like you said, to have somebody in management that is a good manager, but has like all the most multifacets and it's really hard to be administration and also to be like, you know, to have that balance, but it can be a living hell if you have a really like shitty boss. So I try to be a good boss. I try to be a fair boss. I, every day I'm like, is that fair? Is that good? Or, or am I being too good? <laughs> or being too nice? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. I have developed, you know, people who are some of my best friends to kind of be with me. And I, I do, I make sure that people are, are happy employees. That's something my dad, my dad was in insurance in insurance. And uh, he's like, you got to get back to people that work for you. And if not, they're not going to work hard for you. So um, I think it's important. I think, you know, I think I said like, this is like COVID was like the half halt of the world. Like really, what is it we're going to do now? Like we got to go home. We had a time out. So now what, now what do we want to do? And I think people are discovering, let's do some, something 
makes our lives meaningful than just collect a paycheck and be miserable. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I think you're right. You know, I had that wake up call last year too. It's why we're doing mm-hmm. a five week trip this year. It's something I've always wanted to do. We're starting to mm-hmm. check off the things we've always, Jennifer's gone to the Biltmore to ride endurance because she's always wanted to do that. Helena's oh. going to get down and hang out with her too. Nice. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to get Nikki up to Rhode Island too. Yeah. It's a road trip up there. That'll be fun. Oh, you two yes. together? Oh, my God. I know. It's going to be lit. <laughs> Two Italians. Yeah. Where's my wand? We're definitely going to be... <laughs> we're definitely going to be crashing back to our parties if they're there, because I'm telling you. <laughs> it's the most fun ever. <laughs> Especially if they don't know you. You're like, girl, you know me. Remember me from when? Whatever. Here's a drink. Let's go. Let's go to the ship. Yeah, you don't know me. You don't know me. You, you know me. You do know me. You're just too drunk to remember. Uh, by the way, Kimberly said she's finally here. We're done, Kimberly. So, uh, <laughs> And it's back to you, Kimberly. Yeah. What do you got? You know what, Kimberly? Just, help you, don't ben. even watch the replay because it's just it's a hot mess of bullshit. We just been talking out of our asses There's for the last hour. Kitty cat, sex, toys, and work. <laughs> and strip clubs, apparently. And strip clubs. <laughs> I went to one once a couple times, actually. <laughs> Uh-huh. You I, really? Yeah. I got yeah. kicked out of one. <laughs> yeah, well, now that, that, that I believe. Were you taking I, over the stage and pissing the girls off? No, you it's, oh. it was a guy it was a guy ship joint and you can't throw coins at the shippers. I kind I, I found that out <laughs> because I ran out of dollars. I was I was in my sorority when I, I was a sorority. And I just started throwing whatever's in my purse. And they're like, ma'am, you threw coins at the strippers. I was like, but I want them to dance. And I just kept throwing it. I was, I was escorted out. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also stole well, my bachelor party, stole the money from the shippers because the dollars were falling down on the floor. So I was picking them up and putting them in my my purse. So that's how I paid for my ma- uh, my marriage license with the dollars I got from the shippers. So oh we'll find out this marriage is going to last. Oh <laughs> it's an interesting study in human behavior. It was a very scientific, very scientific. Topic. Yeah, I, why yeah. People behave. Yeah, I was in sales for investments, so you know that we were we went to a few over the years. Uh-huh. Most bizarre one was when she came out with a snake on the yes. stage. Oh. I was out. I was, I was so gone. <laughs> When I was like younger, there was one in our area. So like we would go to these clubs, right, in New York. And you could like take your pick because New York clubs are a dime a dozen. And you'd go and then you to a club and then you're like, oh, why where are all why are all those guys going in that club? I want to go in that club where all the, the cute guys are, you know? So I grab my friend and you get in there and you're like, and and of course the bouncers are like, sure, come on in. Yeah, yeah. And you get in there, you're like, whoa. It's amateur night. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you're like, whoa. So then you sit down at the bar, you're like, fuck it, we're here, let's have a drink. Everybody's like being really nice to us because we're the only like real live females in the place. <laughs> Everyone else is all the other females are on the stage. And um, and so you're like, yeah, this is kind of cool. But what I noticed was that so back then it was all guys, right? Uh, and, but you go now, or like the last time I found myself unexpectedly in a strip club, was that um, it's like it's like everybody, like everybody goes. There's tables and there's like families and shit. Like, yeah, there's wing night. I mean, they yeah. have like, it's bingo afterwards. Like, all of a sudden, it's a fiesta. It's a good time. I'm like, what's happening over there? What, and what's happening over here? So I, I think um, 
I think things are becoming, I think things are opening up. <laughs> I heard, so I read somebody. No pun intended. What am I? That's good. That's pretty good, actually. I read somebody, uh, one of my Facebook friends was whining about Hooters the other day, the restaurant, about how terrible that is for society. And I'm going, have you looked around? <laughs> There's cer- they're wearing more clothes than most people walking around today. I, I, and they're still complaining about Hooters. I'm going, do you really know what's going on in the world? I mean, Hello. most people are quitting school to be on, on OnlyFans. I mean, the I've discovered <laughs> OnlyFans. I was like, I should have took all my money I, I put towards my master's and got on like a boob job and a tummy tuck and like got on OnlyFans. I'm like, are you kidding? Why did I not think of this? What's OnlyFans? <laughs> So OnlyFans, <clears throat> I was like, this is like, <laughs> this is the Instagram. real education part of the yeah, show now. <laughs> it's Instagram. It's kind of like an Instagram page, but it's like a porn site. So you can subscribe and like, it's people who take pictures of themselves, like these hot girls and hot guys. But I guess there's also so different it's memberships. Like Patreon for porn stars. Correct. And then there's like different like tiers, I guess. I don't know. I watch because I don't go to, I watch YouTube, but I watch Australian six, Australia 60 minutes. Like, I, I don't know why, but they had it on there and I'm like, uh, come again this girl like made like a million dollars in the first year she was like this ex-surfer she's like she's like yeah i mean we're now doing this and surfing i take p- pictures i throw my boobs out there a little bit i'm like shit <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like really and i'm like hmm like, they, they have a 40 year old one's like part of me <laughs> just like i was like trying to do the math i'm like that would be awkward if i'm sitting across from somebody who's like an only fans and like like a session i really like, <laughs> Part of me is like horrified by it, and the other part of me is like, love your body. Who cares? Like, yeah, you know, like sex is awesome. Bodies are awesome. Uh, If it's if it's a choice, you know, if it's a free choice kind of thing, I don't know. I'm torn between. I'm torn between. It's very when you think about it logically, it's very safe, right? It's a lot safer than they're in a strip club, right? So I mean, they're not with guys that are there. You know, know. and they can hide their identities probably pretty well. I mean, culturally, it doesn't do much for the the power differential between men and women. Uh, But then again, so much is changing. Or does it? They're making a million dollars. Yeah, that's what you know. What does my mother used to say? She'd be like, "Yeah, all the way to the bank." Like, oh, they're Crimea River. Like, that's the one girl was saying. On she's also a TikTok star. It's like she's like, "Listen, I'm making this much bank." She's like, "I don't even care what they say." Oh, by the way, the guys that just paid her are broke. So there's that. (laughs) She had some good lighting and some good photographs, and man, she's (laughs) racking it in. I was like. Oh, I have some. Oh, good another here. bad pun. She's <laughs> racking it in. Yeah, racking. Ooh, get the drum, get the drum. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> How many more bad sex puns can you do tonight, girl? Oh, it's, it's still early. I you should I, you should get me all day. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's bad. Kim Kimberly said it's Monday. It's hot mess Monday. Maybe we should have like a sex pot Saturday. Yes. <laughs> I had a client today. He goes, I've seen a lot of therapists, but you're one that's always in left field. I was like, I'm not sure if that's a compliment, but I'll take it. As- <laughs> a lot of time to daydream when you're in left field. Trust me, that's the only oh, position anybody can play is left field. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time to think out there. 
praying that the ball didn't come your way because you really <laughs> wanted nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> you know your like your hat or your what you call the the mitt on your head. You're like, oh no, like you're like this sucks. <laughs> yeah, this All right, we've been doing this shit for an hour, so I think we should go now. <laughs> yeah, before we offend anybody else. Yeah. By the way, all complaints go to Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com, unless it's the strip club part. Let's leave that out. <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. Wait a minute, I didn't say anything. I just talked about a snake. She knows the snake story, so you're okay to complain about that. I don't know. She might ever forget and bring that up on the road trip, so that should be exciting. That would be- <laughs> just get her edible underwear and you'll be good. <laughs> there you, you never mentioned that earlier. Do they still underwear. sell that? You don't know. Uh, disclaimer, no. No edible no, underwear. It's not no. good. No. Did you try it? Does it taste it good? I choked I on one. I literally oh, choked well, on one. I had... I'm going to end on that. <laughs> Wait a minute. 